1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: And you know, I was sitting there in the airport and, and thinking about this, and I'm and I watching this young American family and they were absolutely hilarious as they were going through security. I mean, it was amusing to watch them because the luggage was going through the x-ray machine, the luggage is piling up, and, and the x-ray machine, the young father is trying to gather up all their passports, and the, and the legs falling over each other. The young mother is trying to control three young children like herding cats. <laughs> and so it was kind of amusing, you know. So I, I walked up to her and I said, oh, you know, what part of the states are you from? They're from the Midwest. I said, oh, that's nice. I said, that's nice. Where are you going? I said, where are you going? And she said, Sudan. All I could see was red. <laughs> Sudan. My anger hit a boiling point because it was all against Africa. And I came to a head, and I thought, Sudan, and I yelled. I said, Sudan, uh, how could you bring your family to Sudan? Sudan, they don't speak with words there. They speak with bullets. I said, uh, uh, why, why, why would you endanger your family to go to Sudan? Why, why, why? Why you go to Sudan? I mean, the whole hall got silent, you know, because I was making a scene. I was asking her, why in the world would you go to Sudan? You know, all the world, the whole hall is like silent, you know, do we call the police, you know, they're looking at me. And the woman just looked at me with this innocent face. I was attacking her. Why, why, why? And she just said, because God asked us to. Oh, (laughs) oh, those five words, (laughs) they burned into my soul. I mean, I looked for an altar to just get right with God. You know, I can see her in my mind right now saying to me, because God asked us to. And when she said that, I was shattered. And so was John. And so was Diana, and and there was a two-hour flight from out, from Nairobi to None of us said a word to each other. That was the most silent flight ever been on. And we landed, none, and we landed, and we all knew we had to stay in, in Ethiopia. Why? Because God asked us to. And and, and, and we didn't know how we we're going to get anything built, you know. But we said, okay, we're going to do it somehow it'll work out most amazing thing happened the very best builder in the whole region there of ethiopia he walked across the street he was working at the polio clinic walked across the street onto our compound and and he said you know i i i hear that you um i heard you need a builder and and um and you need someone to build your wall and all your buildings and uh we said yeah that's right and he said well i'll build it and we said oh yeah okay how much you know, you're gonna charge. He says, "I'll build it for free." Whoa! He just about fell over. For free? He said, "Yes, for free." Of course, we had to pay for materials. We, we were dumbfounded, and we said, "Why? Why would you do this for free?" He said, "Well, you know, um, I was a principal here for 19 years. I, I built the the, the hospital and the, and the and the and the bridge, and and I do this because I love the people. I love my people, and I know you want to bring jobs here. We need jobs desperately. I'll build it for free," and he did. And he built the wall for $200,000, and, and, and he built all of our buildings. And then the Swedish people that owned the polio clinic got mad at him for spending so much time. They fired him. We hired him, so that was a good thing. <laughs> now, why did that family leave the States and go to Sudan even though it was dangerous? Because God asked him to. Why are Randy and Adina leaving Joss, Nigeria, going to Kano, Nigeria, even though it's dangerous? Because God asked him to. Why did Joseph leave the safety and comfort of Hebron and go to his his brothers in Shechem because dangerous because God asked him to, because not God, because the Father, Jacob asked him to. Why did the Lord Jesus uh, leave the safety and comfort of heaven to come come and come to earth, even though it's dangerous? Because the Father asked him to. That's the first beauty in the coat, the inward coat that Joseph was wearing. The second beauty that we see in Joseph's inward character coat is the beauty of loving those who hated him. You know, Jacob asked Joseph, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks and bring me word again. The word well there is shalom. The word peaceably in a verse before in verse verse four where it says that his brethren could not speak peaceably to him, it's the word shalom. They, they 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 couldn't say shalom to him, but he was supposed to go look, look for their shalom. So they hated him, and they could not speak peaceably unto him in verse four. They hated him. They could not say shalom to him, but he sent to see if his brothers and the flock were in a state of shalom, even though they, they, they couldn't say shalom to him, the, the brothers because they hated him. I mean, the flocks probably could say shalom to, to Joseph more easily than his brothers could, you know? All right. If we have peace with God, if we, we, no, we have peace with God, we have shalom with God, and, be, and as it says in Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God, we have shalom with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's only because of Colossians 1.20. The only reason where it says, and speaking of the Lord Jesus and having made peace through the blood of his cross, having made shalom, through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. See God made shalom with us. He made peace with us when we were Romans 5:8 but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. What does that mean sinners? Romans 5:10 goes on two verses later Romans 5:10 says when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. When we were sinners, when we were enemies, Christ died to save us. Joseph said, I seek my brethren. He said that when he was asked the question, what seekest thou? I seek my brethren when they were his enemies. That's the second beauty in Joseph's character coat. He loved those who hated him. Then the third beautiful color in Joseph's character coat is the beauty of leaving the comfort and the safety in order to go. When we see this part, this last part of verse 14, it says, He said unto him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, with thy flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron. You know, the word vale means valley. And this is the only place in Scripture where Hebron is spoken is called the Valley. It's the only place in Scripture where it's called the veil, the Vale or the Valley of Hebron. And the Valley means it's a beautiful place. It's bringing the idea to it. It's a protected valley. All is well. And he sent him out of this protected place. That one word, sent, in verse fourteen, becomes the most important word of his mission. Joseph sees himself. I've been sent by my father. Sent becomes the most important word for the Lord Jesus Christ in his mission because he saw himself as one sent by his father. He said in John 10:21, My Father hath sent me in Matthew 10:40. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. In John 17, 18, John 17:18, Thou hast sent me into the world. You know, it's just like the Lord is, is like running, you know, he's got a message from the Lord. He's got I got a message. And the message is a covenant. You know, I am the messenger of the covenant, the Lord Jesus. The covenant is a new covenant. The covenant is a new testament. The testament is we can have peace with God, Romans 5.1, through our Lord Jesus Christ. The testament is Romans 8.1. There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Just imagine Joseph as a messenger coming from their father with a message of love from their father, a desire for them, come home and come home to have peace and and I longing for you to return home. And then just imagine the Lord Jesus Christ coming as a messenger from God the Father with the same message, love from the Father, a longing for them to come home to the Father's house as their eternal resting place. That's the third beauty in Joseph's inward coat. The fourth beauty in Joseph's inward character, character coat is the beauty of not giving up because there's an obstacle. You know, now that Joseph has finally made it these 100 miles to Shechem, there's a problem. And we read about it in verse 15. You know, a certain man found him, behold, he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him what seekest thou? See, Joseph can't find his brothers. He's described as wandering in the field. And he comes I mean I mean he made it to Shechem, he went where he was told to go, and they weren't there. Now here we can really feel Joseph's plight. I mean, Joseph is far from home. Joseph is is alone. Joseph's been sent to find his brothers. Joseph can't find his brothers. This is a problem. And he's wandering around in a field and a certain man just kind of sits back and he watches Joseph and he sees a man. He's frustrated. He's wandering around in the field. I mean, poor Joseph. I mean, he's discouraged because he can't find his brothers. What's he going to do? Because if he returns home, he knows how much this would disappoint his father. The father, he he, he supremely does not want to disappoint his father. And, And Joseph can't bear the thought of coming home and having to tell his father that he couldn't find him. I'm terribly sorry, I can't find him. That's unthinkable for Joseph. He would rather die than to let his father down like that. So what we see in verse 15 with Joseph wandering in the field is a perseverance on Joseph's part to not go home empty. Joseph could not find his brothers, but Joseph was so persevering that he would not go back home without finishing the work that his father had sent him to do. See, Joseph was determined to finish the work. He was not going to let this problem of not finding the brothers prevent him from finishing the work he was sent to do. It it would have been easy for Joseph. I mean, Joseph could have gone home, and I mean, but his father's instructions were very clear. In verse 13, Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send thee unto them. So it would be very easy for Joseph to have gone home and to say, you sent me to Shechem, I went to Shechem, the brothers weren't there, I, I'm, so here I am and I did what you told me to do and I came home, I couldn't finish the work because you know they weren't there. And Joseph could have done that. He was told to go to Shechem, he'd find his brothers, he went to Shechem, they weren't there, that was it. He would not be able to finish the work. But Joseph would not do that. He would not do that because he knew the work that his father had given him was to find the brothers, and he was determined to finish that work, and he's not going to let anything, going to make him quit. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He was sent by God the Father to earth. He came to earth. It wasn't easy for him. You know, he could have returned to earth and said, oh, boy, you know, you sent me to earth, I went to earth, but those people are crazy down there. First, they tried to kill me as a baby. Then they didn't receive me as their king and messiah. Then they tried to stone me. Then they tried to throw me over a cliff. I, I couldn't finish the work. The people are out of their minds. But, but the Lord Jesus would never have done that because he knew the work that God the Father had gave him to do. He was determined, I'm gonna finish it and not let anything make me quit. He lived for the day when he could say in John seventeen four. John seventeen four. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Oh, we don't know how happy that made him to be able to say those words. Joseph did not give up. That's the fourth beauty, the fourth color in his inward coat of character. Now, the fifth color, the fifth beauty in Joseph's inward character coat was the beauty on waiting on God for his help. Waiting on God. I mean, there he is, wandering. What can he do? He can't find him, he's wandering. Isn't it significant that it says a certain man found him? Not just any man, a certain man. It was a certain man because he had a certain, a certain he, was, he, he had a certain specific uh, uh, man that God chose to help Joseph. And you know, when we're wandering in the field of life, God sends certain men to us, certain people to help us, find us. You know, God sees us and says, Oh, look at him down there. He's wandering in the field like Joseph. And he sends a certain man to find us and straighten us out. I can't help but read this. Certain man in verse 15, it appears appears out of nowhere. You know, the certain man. I can't, I I remember what happened in November of 1982 when Cheryl, my wife, and, and I and our two sons, David and Joseph, we did a business trip you know I told them hey you're going to see Europe they didn't see Europe they just saw business places but anyway for eight weeks we traveled all around Europe and 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 so on this particular night we arrived in Milan at 9 p.m in in November now I got to tell you that part there the Piemonte part there of Italy and the northern part I don't know what it is it just attracts all the fog in the world (laughs) You know, and this was a typical, you know, November in Milan and it was socked in with fog. And of course, in my infinite wisdom, I decided to save money and rent the tiniest car they had, which was the Ford Escort, you know. So there we were all there, jam-packed into this tiny car, and we could, I could see nothing. None of us could see anything out of the window. There were no signs. You know how I was driving? I was having my head out the window. I was looking at the white line, and I just thought, I was hoping somehow the white line was going to all of a sudden take us to the hotel. I didn't know. You know. But it was kind of like being in Disneyland, one of those Disneyland rides where it's all dark, and all of a sudden you turn around. It's like, whoa. And all of a sudden I had made some turn, and it was spooky. There was this, this lady a poor distressed old lady standing on the side of the road and she was motioning us to stop and help her and Cheryl says stop and help her <laughs> I thought stop and help her we need help you know? <laughs> but I stopped and uh, okay Joe uh, get over there and sit on David's lap <laughs> this lady's gonna squeeze into the back seat now I gotta tell you about this lady this is, not, this is not a lady that would be a poster child for Weight Watchers. This is, this is a rather large Italian grandma that sampled a lot of the pasta that she was serving. So she's sitting in the back seat, and, and she says to us that you know, she needed to get to downtown Milan. <laughs> i thought great here we are lost we're trying to get to milana dewey which is on the west part of milan and now we've taken on this problem of trying to get this lady to downtown milan and so we drove for a little while and then all of a sudden we made this turn and then there was this bus like right in front of us and it has marked on it milan so <laughs> oh great you know she says stop you know, get on that so she gets on the bus okay wonderful so she leaves and then I was so discouraged. I mean, I thought, now what, you know? And so I stopped the car, and I got out of the car, and I'm looking at this sign. I have to go, by practically put my nose on the sign, you know, to see it, completely bewildered, not knowing anything. I was, like, looking at hieroglyphics. And what happened? A certain man drives up. He stops. He gets out of his car. He spoke English, and he gave us perfect directions to our hotel. Turns out we were, like, two blocks away. It was unbelievable what happened? Verse 15 happened to me. looking at that sign I was like Joseph wandering in the field and a certain man found me and asked me, "What seekest thou?" you know it also reminds me of a time when when uh, uh, this certain man when I, I'd finished my day my work day at, I was working in Germany at Verka in Marburg, Germany, and I was tired and it was again, it was cold and cloudy oh, Germany, boy, when it gets cold and cloudy, there's nothing like it it was sucked. Uh, and I just wanted to get back to the hotel in Frankfurt and to the pillow. <laughs> you know, and so and and whenever I go to now, I gotta tell you that whenever I have gone to Germany, I don't know, it's an imagination problem I have, I just struggle with fear. I've always had this problem in Germany. I'd catch myself this kind of daydreaming, looking at buildings and the people and going back and the six million Jews that were murdered, and I had the nightmares when I slept in Germany and I'd I would look at buildings and imagine these big swastika signs, you know, down the building, the flags, the and the drape and the and the hotel lobbies and the people, you know, would I close my eyes and I'd be afraid that I'd open them. I see swastikas, you know. And it's always been what I struggle with in Germany. And so anyway, I got on this train in Marburg and it was going through Gießen and then it was gonna to go to Frankfurt. Marburg and Gießen are university towns, university cities. So the train was packed with students. They were all over. They were standing in the aisles, everything. And I was going cabin to cabin, and I found this cabin of students, and there was one seat free. So I thought, oh, great! So I went in, I sat down, and you know, I'm struggling with the thoughts. You know, are these the grandchildren of the Nazis? You know, and, you know, okay, I'll bring them the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll be saved, and that'll be their redemption. So I started to tell them because they spoke English. I uh, told so, so the students the gospel. And they gave me the most vicious looks and declared to me that there is no God and I was a fool to believe in God. And then they all got off in Gießen, and I was furious. And I started to hate all the Germans again. And I was telling God, you know, there's no hope for any Germans and you might as well just scorch Germany because all their crimes and none of them could be saved. And, and I was far from God. I was, I was wandering in the field. And I was so full of hate and a desire for revenge against the Germans, I saw them all as unsavable. And I had my arms folded like this, you know, like a judge, you know, sitting there. And I was praying, judge them all, Lord. And, and at that point, the door opened on the train compartment, and an old couple walked in and sat down. And I thought, mm, old enough to have lived during the Nazis, here they are. And so I started to glare at them, at the couple, and pray for God to judge them for their involvement in killing six million people. And then the old man leaned over to me and with the most tender voice asked me, do you know the story of how God loved man and sent his son to earth? I couldn't believe my ears, so I said, no, I do not. (laughs) He looked right at me with those blue eyes and started to tell me the gospel of how God saw man in his sin, and he loved man and he didn't want man to go to hell and he sent his son to die for his sins. And when he got to the part of God sending his son to me, for man to, to, to die for his sins, he started crying. And the tears were falling on the ground and on his, his pants. I couldn't believe it. And that broke me down, you know, and I, I told him I was a believer. And then the train pulled into Frankfurt and, and I had to get off the train. I was, I said there in the trade platform, I was stunned. And I looked for a quiet corner. I went over there, and I told God, I don't know who that man was. I don't know if he was an angel or a man or what. But uh, I told God, I'm I'm very sorry that you had to do that. I'm sorry you had to do that to straighten me out. And I made a vow, I'm never going to write off any people again. What happened that evening? I was wondering, God sent a certain man to help. You know, this verse about the certain man is very great encouragement also for parents, the parents and showing the beauty of waiting on God for help. There was Joseph. He was the son of Jacob. He's wandering in the field. Jacob knew that jo- Jacob, if Jacob had known that he was wandering in the field, Jacob would have helped him, but his father didn't know that he needed help, and so he couldn't help him, but God knew, and so God helped him. It reminds me of a missionary mother who spoke at Mission Valley Chapel about 35 years ago, and she was on the mission field, and she, she raised her children on the mission field, and she felt they were very safe as long as they were with her. But on this trip back to the States, she had to leave her children here in the States so they can continue their education. And she was, she was worried for their safety. And she couldn't sleep at night. She was worried. And then God gave her a verse that just brought perfect peace and assurance. And the verse is in Proverbs fourteen twenty six. Proverbs fourteen twenty six. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. And from that verse, she heard the Lord say to her, you follow me, I'll give you a strong confidence, and I will take care of the safety of your children because they'll always have a place of refuge. Now, the sixth beautiful color that we see in in Joseph's inward character coat is the beauty of loving the lost individually. You know, we see this in response to the question. The certain man comes to him and says, "What seekest thou?" In verse fifteen, the man and that certain man saw he was seeking. He could saw he was looking for something. And what does it look like when you're looking for something that you lost? You know how you look. You know you look anxious. You look certain. You look inquisitive. You know you don't want to miss anything. You, there's a tension about it all. You know how you you know you know how you look when you lose your cell phone. You know <laughs> you know this is concerned look on your face. You're distracted with it. You know, my, where's my cell phone? You know, there's a look of anxiety. There's pain. There's a look of diligence. You're trying to retrace your, your you know, you, you got this look of, I have to find my cell phone. You got this look of a pain till I find, you know, my cell phone. You know, and, and there's this look of, I'm not going to give up till I find.